Welcome to Mike's Notes, episode 47. What happened to Nasty Gal? Nasty Gal is the clothing company that was started by Sophia Amoruso. And she wrote about this company formation and running it and her early life in the book uh, Girl Boss. And she spoke to Tim Ferriss on him, his podcast about her rise to being the 53rd ranked self-made richest woman, uh, according to Forbes. I often link to Anne Russo and her book and her ideas on my blog and in some of these short ebooks I've written because Anne Russo seemed to be doing a lot of things right. In one of my ebooks, 28 Lessons from Startups That Failed, there were six general themes about how startups made mistakes. One, a failure to understand customers. Two, a failure to manage money. Three, a failure of strategy. Four, a failure of key skills. Five, bad luck. And six, bad teams. Nasty Gal had done some of those things right. Uh, Sophia Amoruso had successfully navigated that swamp. She didn't get bogged down by excessive costs or bad team members or a poor strategy. As news came out that her company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, though, I started to dig into other ideas. I dug into some of the details about what Nasty Gal has done. And I think the cause of their failure, the cause or the problems that led to this chapter 11 filing is that Nasty Gal failed to adapt as a company and they failed to fit into the current environment. If you think of an organism in an environment, there is the organism and then there is the environment and either the organism can change or not change or the environment can change and not change. So we sort of have a two by two matrix as far as where our different outcomes can land. And I think that as Nasty Gal grew, as they became a larger company, they failed in those six areas because they were in a different situation. It's sort of like an organism moving up the food chain. That same organism can't do the same things it's always done. It has to change. It has to adapt. And it has to do things not in the way it did them and succeeded, but in different ways that lead to success. So let's go through those six areas briefly and look at what Nasty Gal did right and what Nasty Gal did wrong. As far as customers go, Nasty Gal was a great company. In Girl Boss, Amoruso writes about how she would get on social media and she would interact with people. She would uh, post on people's MySpace pages. She even had an algorithm that would friend people on MySpace. She wrote, Social media allows me to have my ear to the ground even when I'm out pounding the pavement. Too often founders make the mistake of the field of dreams delusion. If I build it, they will come. That rarely ever happens. What you have to do is what Jessica Livingston advises. Livingston says, Our motto is to make something that people want. If you create something and no one uses it, you're dead. Nothing else you do is going to matter if people don't like your product. So Nasty Gal had things that people wanted. The things that Nasty Gal did wrong was that this was a failure to scale in customer interactions. And Amoruso couldn't do it as one person. And she couldn't build a system that allowed other people to do it, that allowed them to be engaged with the customers. In Clay Shirky's book, Here Comes Everybody, he notes that audience size and conversation are inversely correlated. That is, the larger the audience you have, imagine a magazine, a television station, or a Twitter account with millions of followers, the less conversation you have, the more you broadcast your message. The smaller the audience, so imagine a Facebook group for the local Girl Scout troop, or the people you meet Wednesday nights for basketball league. Those groups are more conversational and there's less broadcast. So Nasty Gal failed to scale but still know what their customers' money wanted. 
The second big category is money, and early on, Nasty Gal did everything right. Emma Russo carefully stair-stepped her location size, moving up from one apartment to a slightly larger apartment, one facility to a slightly larger facility. She even returned a bunch of Herman Miller Aeron chairs that people had purchased while she was gone. So she was very conservative early on. Later on, something that Nasty Gal probably messed up on was expanding and taking too much debt. They raised $65 million in venture funding in the last four years. That seems high for a company that was so frugal early on. The third mistake that startups tended to make was they had the wrong strategy. Early on, Nasty Gal had the right strategy. Amoruso wrote, Many of the vintage shops already on eBay were so bohemian it hurt, with names like Lady in the Tall Grass Vintage or Spirit Moon Raven Sister Vintage, so the contrarian in me grabbed the keyboard and named my shop to be Nasty Gal Vintage. So Amoruso has uh, been, she's differentiated herself. She's found a way in which she is different from her competition, and she's also right. She's also getting on this big wave that is internet commerce and internet education and direct-to-consumer internet brands. So she's in the right area. She has a good strategy based on how the waves are rolling right now. Amoruso's strategy really boils down to how good her brand is. Her brand was her moat. And brand moats are some of the most difficult to build, but some of the most defensible once they are established. Don Keogh and Monish Pabrai have spoken about Coke's brand. Phil Knight has written about the Nike brand. I've written about Andy Katz Mayfield and what he said about the Harry's brand. What each of them noted was that brand takes a long time to build. Harry's razor, much like Nasty Gal, is now large enough that others are taking notice. And this is dangerous territory. Nasty Gal has been sued quite a bit lately by people like Chanel and others because they're uh, infringing on other people's logos and designs. When brand is really good, it's when kids ask for socks for Christmas. Let me tell you this story. One year I volunteered at a PTO fundraiser, and along with the other parents, we were talking about what we were getting our kids for Christmas. One mom said that all her son wanted was a pair of Nike Elite socks. They're $14 a pair, she said, but it's the only thing he wants. That's a great brand when your kid asks for socks. It's when people are price insensitive and they're willing to pay more for something. The fourth area where startups failed was a lack of key skills. Early on, Amoruso had all the key skills. She knew how to write a good eBay post. She knew how to take a good picture that people would click on. She knew the right time to post on eBay. So she had all of the key skills for her company and for her. she knew what her competitors were doing and she knew the climate of her industry. As the company grew though, Amoruso's skill overlap, skills overlapped less with what the business needed. She told Tim Ferriss, Culture can be used as a weapon. We've been working on a brand Bible. She didn't need a brand Bible early on because she was the brand. As the company grew, though, deficiencies in leadership were more damaging than deficiencies in Photoshop. And she even noticed this. When she stepped down as a CEO, she said, It takes a lifetime of chops to learn what my CEO, Cherie, knows about leadership. That's a learning curve I didn't want Nasty Gal to absorb. So the mistake was probably that Amoruso waited too long to step down as CEO, that there were key skills that she didn't realize she needed and that a good CEO would have. The fifth thing that sunk startups was bad luck. Nasty Gal had some pretty good luck and Amoruso was uh, smart and outgoing and motivated and uh, much of, enough of a hustler to take advantage of that. 
She recognized the opportunity to sell on eBay and MySpace, and she cruised on those gusts as long as possible. She had good timing when it came to social media, venture capital, and direct-to-consumer internet businesses. Her personal story yielded a book deal, so she was able to take advantage of her luck. As Michael Mobison points out, luck is something we can't control. So there's really not a way Nasty Gal and Amoruso could have done better with luck, but she did take advantage of the good luck when she had it. The sixth area startups tended to fail was they had a bad team in place. Early on, this wasn't much of a problem for Nasty Gal. Amoruso tended to hire pretty well, she cut bait quickly, and once she found people she could work with, she often stuck with them. As the years went on and the company grew larger, the New York Times reports that there were problems. There's been lawsuits. There's been people who have left very quick. And the New York Times writes that the company has a rating of 2.8 stars out of 5 on Glassdoor, a site where people can report what it's like to work somewhere. Team members are one form of stakeholders. If you don't have good stakeholders involved, there's only so much you can do. The biggest thing I got from the articles about Nasty Gal and Amoruso is how tightly the two are connected. That's fine early on, as Amoruso's hustle, eye, and motivation were aligned with what the company needed. Things went awry as Amoruso's skills separated from what the company needed, though. She wasn't good enough. She couldn't be good enough. No one person could be. Like a sports team that overachieves, Amoruso got a long way on her own. On Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary often likes to ask pitching entrepreneurs what would happen to their company if they walked out of the studio and got hit by a bus. This macabre questioning is good for TV, but it's also a good question, too, and it's what Nasty Gal never answered. Nike was never Phil Knight. Harry's was never Andy Katz-Mayfield. Instagram was never... Hold on, who was the Instagram? Instagram was never Kevin Systrom. The fact that I had to Google who founded Instagram proves the point. Nasty Gal was Sophia Amoruso. She did a good job. She did a great job, probably about as good a job as one person can do, but it wasn't enough to create a sustainable company.